Welcome, everybody. Yeah, we're going to start. Good evening. Thank you for coming. I am friend of the show, Jason Eakin. And live from Meltdown Comics, this is Battleship Pretension. Our hosts have been podcasting for about three and a half years now with over 180 episodes to date. It's really not that many. There's plenty of podcasts. We've got a lot of more. So uh, for those not in the know, week to week, as opposed to merely doing movie reviews, Tyler and David cover a diverse range of cinematic topics such as, but not exclusive, to MacGuffins, religion and film, journeyman directors and auteurs, the Hayes Code, film noir and neo-noir, and musicals, concert films, and music documentaries. Some people like movie reviews. I do. I, I like the structure to the show that it provides, but, I mean, that's not their thing. So every ten episodes, they profile an important figure in filmmaking history from actors and directors to writers, cinematographers, and even costume designers. They also fill their show with innumerable guests. Some might say too many guests, but that's not for me to say. Including actors Doug Jones, Maurice LaMarche, and Mather Zickel. Notable comedians like Jimmy Pardo, the Sklar Brothers, Jen Kirkman, and Kyle Kinane. And an assortment of other fine treats and candies, filmmakers, interviewers, friends, etc. and so on and so forth. They've been guests on the Paul Goebel Show, who hasn't. Uh, the Slash Film Podcast, the Marketplace of Ideas, and many, many others. They've been on the IMDb's Daily Hit List, been, featured, been a featured podcast on iTunes, and just this May, they were named one of ten podcasts worth a listen by Movie Maker Magazine. Also recently, and for God knows why, both have independently branched out and created secondary podcasts outside this show, in what can only be described as some sort of narcissistic freak show of online inbreeding. Turn page. Continued. And so, with all of this going on and going well, one ponders this meek but candid question. Is a live show really all that necessary? Are their egos not padded enough with the weekly praises from their adoring fan base? Are their wallets not fat enough from the con man thievery of their donation drives? Between all the product these two snake oil salesmen keep slinging at us, is it really, at long last, a verifiable essential to bring me out on a Saturday night with the traffic and the parking just so they can shovel out some comedy and peddle their online act in person? I'm glad you asked. Now, let me tell you. The answer is yes. Essential and incredibly enjoyable because what our hosts have for us tonight is a hybrid, a fusion, a smelting, if you will, of their own show with an out-and-out -out comedy variety show. Because like all of us, they're suckers for a good joke and a well-told story. For all of the coy elitism of their show's title, both are die-hard populists. They want to be among the people. Why, any one of you can find David out and about on, in Hollywood on a Tuesday night wearing his trademarked sweatpants, flip-flops, and Green Day Warp Tour concert tee. <laughs> Or find Tyler at one of L.A.'s many Thai restaurants, uh, getting his favorite dish, beef stir-fry with oyster sauce and an ice-cold diet right to wash it down. And so, without further ado, I present to you our fearless leaders and feckless hosts, Tyler Touchdown Dance Dance Revolution Smith and David Feel My Rhythm and Holla Backs. 
that was the first mistake of the night. Uh, th- no, this this was the first mistake. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, David, you just hang out over there. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be front and center. That's fine. Uh, hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank and you all for coming, don't David. Don't know anything else about us. What was that, uh, Jason? Yeah, it's. I was going to say, hey, who listens to the show? But. You know, you don't really need to at this point. Yeah, Jason debuted his novel about us, <laughs> an excerpt form here. Um, now, David, yeah. uh, we're going to cut out all the funny banter from the last time. Oh, it was rough. Nobody's here to see us. But then again, this is going to be more like a couple years ago when they had the reality show hosts host the Emmys with no script. <laughs> that, that went really well. I've got the questions here, David. It's so funny. yeah, we're going to leap right into some movie trivia. Normally in the past, the last two times we've done this, we've done Battleship Pretension Trivia for merchandise. Yeah. But those are, that was about six questions, and we've exhausted everything that you could possibly know about us with those six questions. So we're, we're going to transition to movie trivia. The way I see it, we can't be boiled down, David. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see. So we, have, we only have three prizes, but we have five questions in case uh, the first three are too difficult. Um, I've been bouncing this off of many of you in the audience, and so we'll see how this works. Um, David, would you like to read the first question? Sure. All right. All right. This is, what, are they, what are they playing for? Uh, they're playing for a Battleship Pretension T-shirt. <laughs> All right. Get, get your trivia minds ready. Uh, question number one. Only nine actors have won the Best Actor Oscar twice. Name two of them. Show of hands. Best Lead Actor. I see a hand right there. Uh, no, Best Lead Actor. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were going to go Jason Robards all the way, but you opted not to. Okay. So all right. So that's... Okay, so nobody can name... Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sean Penn and Tom Hanks. Sean Penn and, and Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks, that's correct. <laughs> All right, so you get uh, with our classic logo, so there you go. Question the second. All right, so here we go. (laughs) All right. Uh, For all the commotion about Citizen Kane being the best film of all time, it actually only won a single Oscar. There's a lot of commotion. I, I can barely hear your question over the din of commotion about Citizen Kane being the best film of all time. Well, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's the best film of all time. I just, I just, <laughs> peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. <laughs> all right. It actually only won a single Oscar. Which Oscar did it win? Yes? Not best editing. I'm sorry, Jim editing. Bruce, friend of the show. Right here. Superman shirt. Best original, best original screenplay is correct. <laughs> you get... There you go. Question three. Question trace. Yeah. Question dry in German. Uh, as, as we all know, we all know this. Uh, there's so much din about it. Uh, the highest grossing film of all time is James Cameron's Avatar. However, what is the highest grossing film when adjusted for inflation? Right here in the front. Gone with the Wind. Gone with what, the Wind is correct. What now, does he win? Now, you don't win a shirt. Ian, my good friend. You, that's right. It, <laughs> we it's know all our friends. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, you win a copy of Reservations, directed by friend of the show, Jason Eakin, and starring me. So... <laughs> right. now, hold on. That has... Are there any special features on that uh, There is. That's right. Yes, there is a commentary for the film with Jason, myself, and David. So right. enjoy that. I, I, I was kind of expecting applause. 
Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, now let's see here. Uh, oh my gosh, that went by like like a flash. Hang on a second. I gotta get more cards. Let's ask the uh, the audience if they think that went by in a flash. <laughs> you, we don't That's have really time not for fair, players. Okay. So we're going to get right to the comedy. Absolutely. Your first performer of the evening is a very talented comedian. He's appeared on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson and had his own very his very own Comedy Central Presents. For the past 15 years, he has been the host of TBS's Dinner and a Movie. It's a pleasure to have him here tonight. Please welcome Paul Gilmartin. Thank you. I want to thank uh, Tyler, Tyler and David for, for having me on, and uh, thank you all for, uh, for coming to this very physically odd moment in my life. <laughs> I've never been into a, uh, an official comic book store, and uh, I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm not a nerd. I'm a nerd in other ways, but uh, comics isn't, just happens to not be one of them. But I'm struck by the importance that the comic bookstore plays is a buffer between society and thousands of potential serial killers. <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful service to society. I wonder how many minutes elapsed after Scott Pilgrim opened that the first nerdy snide remark was made in the, somewhere in the store about the movie. <laughs> Did anybody see Scott Pilgrim? Is it, is it any good? Was it good? Oh, it was good. It was faithful to the comic. See? What do I know? Not much. Um, it's funny. I've, I've been a, a host of this, this uh, movie show uh, for 15 years, and uh, I still feel like I don't really know that much I, uh, about movies. I, I'm very opinionated about movies. I think the best movie ever made, because be, I think before I cut anything down, I should put myself out there and say what I think is great. I think Broadcast News is maybe the most perfect movie ever made. Anybody else? Oh, haters. <laughs> a room full of haters. You've never seen Broadcast News? I can go around it. It's a fantastic movie. Um, I think it's a much better movie than Citizen Kane. But <laughs> certainly funnier. Um, I, you know, if what Mel Gibson did was necessary to ensure there is no Lethal Weapon 5, I'm behind it. <laughs> If people had to get hurt, I just, I love the idea of someone who is physically winded by hate. <laughs> it's just, if, you know, if, if you're not a candidate for a pharmacy pill because of that, I don't, I don't, I don't know who qualifies. Um, <laughs> it would have been, that would have been hilarious if all that was timed right to the release of what women want. That would have been... <laughs> That would have been awesome. Uh, I, 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 hosting dinner in a movie. Uh, I want. It sounds pretentious to say I have to watch movies that I don't like because it's such an easy job. But I do. I, I sit through movies and and the, you get tired of certain cliches. I've I've come to realize that I don't ever want to see another movie whose poster is a guy in boxer shorts sitting on a tree limb going like this, shrugging. <laughs> I don't know how it ha I don't know how the alligator got into the party. <laughs> it all turned crazy. I think that moment really started when John Hughes said, yeah, let's put a pizza on a turntable. That would happen at a party. 
I think that was his, his jump the shark moment. Um, I, I don't really listen to, to movie reviews per, per se. What I, my gauge of how good a movie is is the ratio of font size between what the critic says and how small the critic's name is. <laughs> that's, the real, that's the real truth of the movie. You know, if the if what the critic says is a hundred times larger than the critic's name, then you know it's a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> I saw one uh, one reviewer said, uh, "Drillbit Taylor is the funniest, freshest movie to come around in a long time." <laughs> now, if his next sentence wasn't, but then again, I have Alzheimer's. <laughs> I have to believe that that guy is getting swag. <laughs> I always love it when it's when it's you know the 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 quote is credited to something that's just so. I think one of them was uh, boxoffice.com was was the biggest the biggest quote for this movie was uh, it was Pete Hammond at boxoffice.com. And uh, my guess is uh, something else heard around the offices at boxoffice.com. Mother, I'm writing. <laughs> This has nothing to do with movies, but I just wanted to do this. Uh, this is my impression of somebody tasting the sliced bread for the first time. <laughs> this is the greatest thing. <laughs> I know I had another joke. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a stool here. Normally, I, I very subtly put my uh, my notes there and pretend pretend that I'm getting a drink of water and then see what the fuck it is I'm doing next. I watched a, a, a pretty good movie last night called uh, uh, 50 Dead Men Walking. Has anybody seen it? Irish movie? Um, it's good. It's about this guy that infiltrates the IRA and I liked it, but there's that, there's that thing when you rent an Irish movie where you're like, is this kind of a waste of time? Because I have no fucking idea what anybody is saying in this thing. <laughs> Don't you give me no Tommy knuckle or I'll bar the ding on the dungle. Wow, oh, there's 14 bucks down the fucking dungle. <laughs> Nothing to me can be as tedious and pretentious as a British movie. That, that is just some teenage girl staring into the wind for two and a half hours. I want to run through the meadow. And that little British kid that's in every Christmas movie. God, I hate that little kid. <laughs> Mother, are we going to have are we going to have pudding this year? You just want to chase him with his steamroller. <laughs> right, what do I want to wrap? I got I got to close strong. I don't know. Am I am I at my time yet? Is there is there a guy back there with the uh, the light? I'm almost there. <laughs> All right, this has nothing to do with movies, but I just have to get this out of my liver. Uh, when do we get to solve Nancy Grace's murder? <laughs> you know, look, I know somebody needs a, to be a vigilante for the adorable, but... <laughs> Sweet Christ. I think the only reason they don't let her near crime scenes is they don't want it tainted with eyeshadow. <laughs> All right, now I'm getting the light. All right, I got to close strong now. Um, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> I'm going to try it anyway. Uh, the phrase back alley abortion. 
Was there really a time when it happened in the back alley? And if so, what a horrible moment for some guy in a Model T just trying to take a shortcut. I believe I can bypass the tuba parade if I cut through the alley behind Chestnut. And oh, my Lord! Heavens, affix your pantaloons. What a horrible moment for that girl or woman, the most, you know, punishing moment of her life. Some guy drives by in a fucking derby and it pops up with, you see his shemp bangs flying all over the place. All right. One more joke. People say, I, my, I, my wife is, uh, is here somewhere and uh, there she is looking at her watch. She, uh, we, we don't have any children. We have two kids, and people always say to us, well, you know, pets are a lot like, you know, they're, they're your babies. They're like your children. And I, I said that uh, to my mom one time, and she said, no, you will never be able to make a pet understand your complete disappointment. And then, <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Wow, I feel like I'm on uh, The Tonight Show. That's what we were going for. Absolutely. We try to emulate that show as much as possible. I'm glad you waved me over instead of just making me stand there. <laughs> that would have been really awkward. <laughs> so we were the, the Carson Tonight Show then. That's the right. You, that's the one you yeah, 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 absolutely. Good. What I'm about old. the Conan Tonight Show? Uh, that, that happened, right? That was like <laughs> a thing what? that happened? Okay. Did, did we all dream that? Oh, <laughs> man. Um, now, I wanted to mention, because uh, you were talking about uh, quotes uh, on the front of a DVD case or on a poster mm-hmm. or something. Um and listeners of the podcast know this. Uh, one of me, one of uh, my and David's favorite quotes. One of me favorite. One of me favorites. <laughs> Did you watch that yeah. Irish movie that you watched? <laughs> I watched the one that shakes the barley before yeah. I came over. Yeah. Um, is for the film Ray. You remember this? This is Joel Siegel uh, before he passed away. Yeah. But uh, it was grammatically like the worst thing ever. He said. Uh, he said Ray is one of the best films I ever saw. It's like ah. <laughs> Yeah. You mean it's one of the best films you've ever seen, but then we thought... And then he died, like, yeah, a year later. Maybe he knew. Maybe he knew. <laughs> anyway. So you say this is your first time in an, an official comic book I store. I think so, yeah. What sort of unofficial underground <laughs> comic book stores are you frequenting? Back alley uh, comic book stores. You know, maybe, a, maybe a place... Maybe like a... Uh, like a uh, kind of nostalgia store that also has comics, but mm-hmm, not sure. dedicated to it. Have you ever been to that store, Big Kid, in, hmm. uh, on Burbank in Hazeltine? No. Oh, no. it's really cool. They've got all kinds of stuff from the 50s through the 70s, um, action figures and all kinds. All right. Well, I like how that just trailed off to like a, almost a pure library silence. <laughs> Did you ever go... Now, you're uh, a former Chicagoan, right? Yes. Did you ever go to that place... Like that, that's right by Wrigley. It's called like Yesteryear or something. Mm-hmm. You've seen. You know what I'm talking about. I do. I just it's okay. this tiny little building that clearly has been. It was like a shack that was built. You know, back when the stockyards, like in right. the, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the jungle, like days when Republicans were getting their way. <laughs> the the rest of the city has built up around it, and it's yeah. literally the, the building is literally leaning on the oh, building really? next to it to stay, yeah. to stay up, but. uh yeah, because no one's been there. As it turns yeah. out, uh, the best way to get a response from from a crowd is not to pick a specific building and say like, "Hey, who remembers this?" No one, as it turns out, remembers the, that. The yeah. things about that sh- building are funny. He's oh, tri- okay. The fact that it's just it's uh, bright yellow, it's tiny, and it, it's like yeah. the it's like the guy yeah. in Up, like 
It's like his house. At the oh, beginning. okay, fair enough. Up, that's movies. There we go. <laughs> so you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim? I have not. It's great. I, I, I was just reticent to go see any movie where anybody on a poster is playing air guitar. It just makes my <laughs> asshole clench. He had a clench. real, had a real like, guitar. Ah, this looks a little like it might be a little, uh, I don't know, precious. That, uh, a friend, a, um, a, maybe a, 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 a little friend bit. of mine. A friend of mine said, like she said, uh, she'd seen the, the billboard and she said, "Oh, that's a movie. I thought that was a Skechers ad." <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's interesting because the film, while I love it, it totally tanked. Um, it did. Yeah, it oh, did yeah. very poor. It was opened at number five and then dropped to number ten and then just was I gone. Thought people would have flocked to see a guy play air guitar, <laughs> air bass, <laughs> even. I was about to correct. You Why and say bass. a fucking bass? <laughs> Why? I, I suppose the character plays the bass in the in the. Uh, he does. Yeah. yeah. Graphic as, novel. Yeah. As as somebody who plays bass frequently uh, yeah. on rock band, uh, yeah. it's, it's the easiest one. Wow. You know, I, I don't know a lot of those songs. I, if they have like James Taylor, maybe I'll, wow. I'll, I'll chime you in. Know, you know, like, you don't get pussy playing bass in a real band. I don't know how, how much pussy you don't get playing bass on, <laughs> on rock band. If my wife is there, she'll be like, Pussy oh, probably man. gets taken away from you. I, oh, I don't know how to respond to that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fascinating because uh, when you're obsessed, you know, when you're uh, in the middle of like an internet community, you yeah. can lose all perspective. And I, I was dumb enough to think that Scott Pilgrim, which had a lot of buzz on the internet, was just going to do great. It was going to, it was going to, bl- oh man, Julia Roberts, no way. It's going to blow right. her out of the water. Yeah. Nothing could beat the Expendables. But like, it was yeah. going to be a solid second. Yeah. And uh, then you learn that, yeah, no one cares about nobody, the internet. No cares. one cares about that audience. Yeah. They've probably already downloaded it for free. And, but uh, isn't not that what makes the graphic novel community so uh, awesome? Is that it, it, it? Mainstream never really clicks with it that, that often? Because isn't it always about being – isn't it part of the vibe is that you're mm-hmm. the outsider? I think, I think for, graphic, observe, yeah. for graphic novels, I think it's great. But like yeah. for, for movies, yeah. then it's just like, oh, it didn't make any money. Now they're not going to no, no, make another one like this. Right. Like, but uh, lucky for people like us who are fans of that kind of thing, Hollywood will never learn any lessons from anything. Right. So <laughs> like what, there'll uh, be another one. What was the, the movie with Scarlett Johansson? Was it uh, Ghost World? Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Awesome movie, like that mm-hmm. that moment in it where the the old blues guy is, is playing the blues and nobody's into it, and then the white guys get in there and play it all cranked up, and everybody gets up and dances. That to me, that to me embodies like the spirit of what you yeah. know. And the, the name the, of that band was Blues Hammer. Yes, if you remember. And the first the first <laughs> lyric uh, they sing is uh, "I've been picking cotton all day long." <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a great movie. Here, sing Ghost World. By applause, thank awesome. you. Yeah, I should probably do that. This audience is afraid of applause. Don't you think that that's that moments like that are are, are lacking sharp kind of uh, social observation are, are lacking in a lot of movies? Uh, oh yeah, these days, or maybe it was never there, but. Uh, from time to time, you'll see something that, uh, I mean, I don't know how popular it's going to be, but you'll yeah. see something where it's like, oh, wow, they really they really got him. But for the most part, you yeah. wind up with something like American Dreams. Like, that's as close. Uh, yeah, no one remembers it, nor should you. Oh, right. That was uh, with Hugh yeah, Grant. With Hugh Grant as like a Simon Cowell. Dennis Quaid as like a, as like a George W. Bush type president. And mm-hmm. it's like... It's like, wow, you have the opportunity to have biting political commentary and biting uh, entertainment commentary, and you go with neither. That's really something. It's bland on you know, two I levels. Feel that I kind of feel that way about uh, Entourage. 
It's like there's all this darkness and satire that you could do about Hollywood, and it does none of it. It's just like this, this softcore kind of fame masturbation fantasy that I don't know. Is it, am I the only one that it leaves wanting for some some bite about the pathos that is the, again the fucking blood of this don't, city? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, you clap. Yeah. I, I want a fucking dead hooker, and you know, right. I want, I want. Uh, isn't there an episode where? Um, and I think we might actually have to have to keep moving. But yeah. isn't there that, an episode that, that was un- unprofessional? Oh, I'm sorry. We don't acknowledge that we got the light. Oh, I'm sorry, Frank. <laughs> that Frank, was my Rath McGrath back there. A, yeah. Yeah, that was a um, bit of a dig. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't mind. So it's. Uh, but isn't there an episode uh, where there's a lot of conflict, and then the conflict is resolved by. I believe uh, P. Diddy letting them ride on his private jet. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that like... Well, the, the conflict is, how are we going to get to Cannes? Yeah. Uh, and then they run into Kanye West. Yeah. Oh, Kanye, Kanye West. Okay. Yeah, yes, Kanye, yes. Kanye West. A different says, big... He says, uh, yeah. yeah, he says, who do we know in Cannes? And his, his yeah. uh, guy says, everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, really bad. Mm. So it's something we can all relate to. I think that to. might have been the last episode I watched. I, I, <laughs> what are the odds? Who, who would continue yeah. after that? Yeah. But uh, now... Um, we do have to. We do have to keep going. But Paul, I do appreciate you uh, being on the show. My it was pleasure. Really great. Thanks for having me on. All right, Paul Gilmartin. Right. Paul Gilmartin, everyone. No, now you, now you guys are learning how to. Look I off. know that's really Way to go. that that went on too long. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, our next guest is an actor and comedian. You've seen him in, on all sorts of uh, TV shows, including uh, Reaper, Medium, Numbers, uh, and a favorite of yours, David, Angel. Angel. All right. Uh, he's a good friend of the show and a very funny guy. Matt Champagne, everybody. You guys look adorable over there, by the way. It's the whole you're up against... The wall thing. You guys are trapped, right? Yeah. But in a trap of your own doing. That's what I like. Like, no one made you, put you over there, right? I was like, in a trap of my own doing long before I came to this show. Right? That was going to be the name of the podcast. <laughs> a right. trap of Whenever, our own doing. I, I know we're sort of doing the panel right now, but I can't right. resist. You're right there. You're well lit. Uh, we can, we'll, we'll talk about it later. We, okay, thank you. I'll, are you saying I'm, I'm drunk? No. no. Oh, you, okay. you just said that. I you always, said well lit. Oh, oh right, right, right. <laughs> No one. Hey guys, uh, any uh, any Kevin Smith fans here tonight? <laughs> you know what? You're you're. There's still a chance you might like this. There's still a chance. This happened four years ago, but I just can't get it out of my mind. Uh, he's at Comic Con, yeah, auditorium, thousands of his fans, right? Q and A, right? Guy gets up to the mic and goes. Uh, yeah, are you ever going to make a movie that doesn't rehash any of your old characters and that doesn't suck? <laughs> <laughs> Two uproarious boos from his fans. Like, boo! Boo! How dare you! How, how dare you malign our sweet prince! Boo! <laughs> On you! Boo! Kevin Smith very sarcastically admonishes his... Uh, his minions and go, oh, no, 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 it's a fair question. I got two movies coming out. This is four years ago. So he's like, no, I got this uh, Zach and Mary make a porno. That doesn't uh, touch on any of the old characters. And uh, Red State, it's a little horror movie I'm working on. Neither one of those movies touch on any of the old characters. And I'm going to get right to work on those 
just as soon as I pull my cock out of your mother's ass. <laughs> Two uproarious applause. From, yay! Oh, yay! Way to defend yourself. Uh, and I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I wonder what I would have said if he had said that to me. Like if I had stepped up to a microphone of all of his fans and said, yeah, are you ever going to make a movie that doesn't suck? And he said... Yeah, I will just as soon as I pull my cock out of your mother's ass. I would like to think that I would have responded by saying, you know what, Kevin? Whatever it takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes. If that's what it takes, man, can you give us an ETA and when you'll be pulling your cock out of my mom's ass? Because we'll all be looking forward to that. Not everybody here, here at the Comic-Con maybe, but I will. Okay. Let's see, movies, yeah. Uh, Paul, was, Paul was talking about Nancy Grace. Uh, she's on the TV, but uh, she's a force of nature. Um, she's like the unfriendly version of Huel Hauser. N N you know, Huel Hauser is amazed at everything, right? Yeah. Nancy Grace is insulted by everything. She does a, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, she does a, uh, she's like a legal uh, correspondent commentator on CNN. If you like murder and kidnapping and, uh, you know, I ice picks in Florida, usually, uh, Nancy Grace will. <laughs> but she has all these experts on and she's always interrupting them. You know what I mean? She's always like, she's always like uh, legal expert Dan McKenzie, tell us what's going on. He's like, um, well, uh, the, the child was last seen getting into her father's green Nissan at her school. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Are you telling me that she was last seen getting into a green Nissan at her school? Yeah, we've known that for a full day right now. Oh, interesting. It, like, it's almost like she's going to accuse them of the crime. It's almost like, and where were you, legal expert Dan McKenzie? Where were you? If Nancy Grace is like this all the time, then I'll stop making fun of her. You know, like in a, in a restaurant, it's like the waiter's like, well, let me tell you about our endive salad. It's got uh, gorgonzola and avocado. Hold on. Hold on. Gorgonzola and avocado. Does the cook know about this? Um... I'm a bit all over the place, so I'll go back into movies now since it's movie. Coyote Ugly, yeah? No, no. Let's examine this. What's the rule at Coyote Ugly? You order water, what happens? You, you're a pussy is what it is at the Coyote Ugly. That's a badass bar, right? You don't order water. What do, you, what do you think this is, right? If you ask for water at the Coyote Ugly, they will yell, hell no, H2O. I should probably watch the movie before I make fun of it. I've seen it once. The point is, if you ask for water at the Coyote Ugly, you are a pussy, and you're going to get sprayed with water. The bartender, the hot chick bartender, she will spray you with water, and everybody will laugh at you, right? Because you ordered water at Coyote Ugly. Again, this is what I think about when I see scenes like that. If that had been me, if I had been asking for water, and they sprayed me, I would have waited for the water to just die down, all the laughter to die down, and then I would say... Yeah, can I get that glass of water? I would ask for another one. I would just ask again. And if they sprayed me again and laughed at me again, I would wait for it to die down again, and I would ask for another one, and I would just be that guy. 
Uh, I like Netflix a lot. Netflix is great. Netflix. Uh, the thing about Netflix that I love is when you enjoy a certain movie from Netflix, the company will recommend similar movies to it that they think you'll also enjoy. So when I told Netflix how much I enjoyed this really educational, insightful documentary about the 1965 Watts riots in South Central Los Angeles, Netflix suggested that I would also enjoy Car Wash. <laughs> You can't do that. You can't. Yeah, you might like both movies. Yeah, but you can't bet on that. You can't. You can't make that assumption. You know what I mean? Because from there, you can make all kinds of absurd movie connections. You know, if you enjoyed the Deer Hunter, you will love Bambi. No, so you don't know that. Did you like Babe? Then you'll love Deliverance. I don't. Oh no, is right. I was watching Deliverance at my parents' house. This sounds like a creepy story, but it was, on, it was during the holidays. Now it's even creepier. And, uh, uh, well, actually, no, it, the movie itself wasn't on, but I saw a synopsis of the movie in the little TV guide there. <laughs> Give us a synop- and here's what it said. Deliverance, 19, what is it? 60, 70, 1971? 70, yeah. Around 72, I think. Yeah, Ned Beatty, John Voight, Burt Reynolds. Four Atlanta businessmen are humbled. By two mountain men. Yeah. Is that what they're calling it now? Yeah, I love that scene in The Accused where Jodie Foster's on that pinball machine getting some constructive criticism. (laughs) From those eight guys. Uh, Before I uh, uh, march over to the couch, one last uh, thought about movies. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Valkyrie, that Nazi Nazi movie, a year and a half ago. You gotta understand something about me. Things that have happened a long time ago still very, very fresh in my mind. Valkyrie. If you didn't see it, I'll sum it up for you. Valkyrie is Tom Cruise versus Hitler. <laughs> Finally, an excuse to root for Hitler. And I don't know if you've ever been on the fence about Hitler. I remain Matt Champagne. Thank you very much, folks. I'll be over here. That's fun. How's it going there, Matt? It's going good. So you were looking for an excuse to, to root for Hitler. Yeah, well, yeah. For all these years. All these years, and then there it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's him? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> it's this guy? And we were talking before uh, before the show started, uh, because you're not somebody who, who sees a lot of movies. Uh, you've well, On watched, the show, you've said that. Yeah, I watch most of my movies at home. Okay. Because I enjoy reading more than I enjoy watching movies, so I'll turn the closed captions on. I, I like mm, to. There we go. I, I watch. Say, yeah. You know what? I can't understand what people are saying in movies anymore. Like I can't hear them. They're okay. either not speaking clearly, or I can't. I don't know what it is. But when I go out to the movies, the way normal people do, like in mm. public, and like I, I, I'm always like, oh, I don't get the, I don't get the closed captions with this because I'm not, <laughs> not at home. But yeah. I think this might be one of those things like when David and I went to college for the first year yeah. and I uh, saw that the, the the writing on the overhead was a little blurry. And I was like, man, I wish he'd focused that. Yeah. And David said, what are you talking about? Then I borrowed David's glasses and said, ah, son of a bitch. Okay, yeah, yeah. I need glasses now. Yeah. So I think maybe you is uh, it a, need is something. Is it a hearing thing? I think it might be. I might like get one of those. My dad has one of those. My dad's 80, though. Well, I mean, you okay, know, yeah, it's I'm never too early to start. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know what it is? Also, I think I just like to know exactly what's being... 
said, and I can I get that with a closed caption thing. Whereas, you know, yeah, but that's not always. It's not always like exact. Um, would well, you I just s- saw Harry Harry Brown, and that's very very yeah. helpful in that movie because those those <laughs> yeah, thugs, absolutely. those hooligans, man. How is Harry Brown? I've heard people I say they. What is he doing? What's that? <laughs> we, Harry Brown's great. <laughs> we've lost touch ever since he went on that killing spree, and uh, he's actually for his age. After that spree, he's got a better uh, spring in his step. Actually, <laughs> it's going um, good. But some people really love it, and some people don't like it. Uh, what was your thought? I enjoyed it because it's a it's a revenge movie. Okay, I like God Taken. Come on, <laughs> come on, man. It's I've, not a good. It's a very silly movie. Okay, but I. What Harry I Brown really or love, Taken? What I, what's that? Harry Brown or Taken? Taken. I'm talking okay. about Taken. All right. Harry Brown is a good movie that I also enjoy. Taken okay. is a not good movie that I very much enjoy. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's important to me because I'm, 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 I'm an uptight, snobby dude. If something's stupid or what I deem to be stupid, I'm out. You know, I can't. But Taken was dumb, but I was right on board the whole way. I was like, <laughs> wow, maybe I'm lightening up. Maybe I'm lightening up a little bit. Now I didn't. Great. I didn't see the movie. All I saw was the trailer, and there's a part in the trailer where he's instructing yeah. his daughter. Can you he hear says, the sound of my voice? Yeah. I have a certain set of skills. I will find you, <laughs> and I will kill you. <laughs> I think it's that, something like that. I think the delightful smile after just really, <laughs> really diffuses the threat. I will find you. <laughs> but like he, I he wanted to say that to he, somebody. He instructs his. Yeah, the other day I realized I'm never going to get to say I'll be in my office. It really bummed me out. Why? Because <laughs> I'm never going to have an office. You can have an office? What? At, like, your, at your house? You can't that's find not a room? Gonna, that to... doesn't count. I mean, like a real office. Oh, like, okay. You know, with a suit and stuff. Well, not with that attitude. Come on, man. You got it. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, so in Taken, there's a part where he's instructing his daughter. And he says, get under the bed. Uh-huh. But then he says, okay, they're, gonna, they're just going to take Well, yes, out. because he, he's good. He knows what's going to happen. Yeah, but like. If, she, if they're going to take her anyway, why not just like stand out in the open? So, well, because uh, if she's under the bed with her phone on and okay. open, she'll be able to record uh, their voices. And, uh, oh, okay. He'll get. He'll get to I that. see. They yeah. don't say that in the trailer. It just That's seemed right. like he was just because he's he's saying to her, describe them. How many of them are, are there? You know. Okay, like I see. In the trailer, it just looks like he's just stringing her along. Right. Just like giving her false hope and be like, "Yeah, you're screwed." Oh no, 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 no. Okay. Well, he first he says he says, "You will be taken." Get under the bed. Tell me how many of them there are. All that kind of. Is that a so good you, Liam Neeson? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. That's the best Liam Neeson. <laughs> oh I've come ever on! Heard. <laughs> this is a very nice crowd. So you would prefer Tyler that? Uh, oh geez. No, well, no. I just, um, you know what? I feel weird that there's all this space. You can kick back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you prefer Tyler that the trailers give away more? Yes. You, you'd like to know. You know I want to know that everything. Movie, with that movie, it doesn't matter, man. It's <laughs> so fun that movie. Well, I assume that like. Do you like watching really, really bad guys get elbows through their foreheads and their throats? You know what? I was talking with my friend Adam. I do. Adam right there, designer of the poster. I was talking with Adam. Hey, uh, nice poster, man. Good job. Oh, All right. yeah. I was talking with Adam. Uh, I, I watched uh, – I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. I always think of like – this is going to sound really cheesy. I always think of like, ah, oh, now they can't have like an open casket funeral for that guy. <laughs> like and it, like the, in Punisher Warzone, Punisher blows the face off of a guy with a shotgun. Um, These right are after, men who clearly don't have tight relationships with their mothers, though. <laughs> so they could have a girlfriend and like friends. I'm just saying, like it really. They probably I have think many in those terms. girlfriends. The, the bad guys in this movie have many, okay. many right, girlfriends. All right. 
So you're saying like internet? It's creepy. The bad what the bad guys do in Taken is so wrong that you, you don't know the movie. You, you don't. No, know I don't. Well, they I, abduct young women who are in Europe, like just well, traveling around, yeah, and they okay. and they you know. Did you ever see Spartan? Oh man, you got to see it's David Mamet. It's a uh, it's a uh, uh, trafficking ring. You know, it's I'm kind of stuff. I'm kind of done with Mamet. Like when I first yeah, fair enough. When I first started acting, he was like the mm. thing, and then I was like, wow, this is getting snobbier. And I'm a snob myself, but wow, mm-hmm. shit. Spartan's pretty good though. Anyone here spe- uh, see Spartan? Wait, that sounds familiar. All actually. right. So you you prefer Applause. you it's... prefer Kevin Smith, the the David Mamet of the new generation. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, Matt, thank you very much for oh, being here. Thanks a um, lot. What? No. Th- thanks oh, okay. for giving me the orange mic, by the way. No problem. I remember last mic. time you were bummed out that you had the blue mic when you were last on the, the podcast. Oh, right, yeah. Because yeah. so, you said that you had to work blue. Now. I'm distracted by the... I gotta tell you, I'm distracted by the colors. Like I'm always wondering what is behind the color choice. You don't have yellow every time, do you? No, I usually have red. See? That would be weird. Like I would... If it's going to be... Of different colors like that, I would have to have blue every time, I think. You know what I mean? Really? Is yeah. Blue, and you had a problem with or, the last or, time. Or the if deal? not blue, the same color every time. Like it's, oh, okay. really, it's really a tribute it's to, your, consistency. to your uh, elasticity that you're able to go from yellow to red. You know what? To actually, maybe one day tangerine. You don't know. And when, you, you want the listeners to be able to, to, to tell the same voice from episode to episode. <laughs> exactly. like, well, that's right. Yeah, we did that too. It's like, can you tell if I'm speaking through the yellow <laughs> exactly. mic, the red mic? Or the tangerine mic just by the timber of, of what I'm saying right now. I'll be honest with you. Actually, when uh, when we were setting up today, I was bummed out that I didn't get the red. So, but I... Look at that. Wait a minute. Look at this. This is disco. Why would you cover this up? That's beautiful. Look at the way that glitters in the... I don't want right. to pop my peas. Oh, okay. That's what it is. It's a pea. That's what it's for. Right. Yeah, I guess absolutely. I should go. All right. Well, thanks for coming. Matt Champagne, everybody. <laughs> Thank you very much. Matt Champagne. Let the, let the applause die down. Yeah, keep it moving. What are you doing right now? I'm keeping it moving. Okay, fair enough. Your next performer is a very funny comic. Oh, that's what Tyler wrote. Um, he has a <laughs> Tyler doesn't own a thesaurus. He has appeared on Late Night with Conan O'Brien and Comedy Central's Premium Blend. He can be seen in the very popular Cat show at the UCB Theater and is featured in the Cat movie. He's also the co-host of the very funny, he's a very funny comic, he's a he's very funny, funny podcast called the Long Shot Podcast. We're excited to have him here tonight, Sean Conroy, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen. Thank you so much. That was completely overwhelming. I appreciate that. That was nice. Thanks. Is it bad if the first thing you think when you wake up is, I wonder if later on today I'll have time to take a nap? <laughs> Movies. <laughs> I read a thing in the paper recently that said that there was a correlation between moles and skin cancer. And this frightened me because I do. I have moles. <laughs> You probably can't tell from where you're sitting because I am wearing a tremendous amount of stage makeup tonight. (laughs) On my back. (laughs) But I went to see the skin doctor, the dermatologist they call him from the Greek words for skin doctor. (laughs) 
And he told me that he needed a photographic record of my entire skin. I was like, my entire skin? You mean I have to... Next thing I knew, I was standing on a stool naked and the dermatologist (laughs) had a camera. And he was going, okay, now lift your arms. Now turn to the side. It was very uncomfortable for me. I had to loosen up a little bit when he started to say things like, Okay, now look over your shoulder as if you have a secret. Yeah, just like that. That's beautiful. So anyway, he took like three rolls of pictures, and I was like, okay, fine. He'll keep those at his office. No, it turns out what they do with these pictures is they mount them in a photo album and send them to you. So I got in the mail a photo album filled with naked pictures of myself. So I put it on the coffee table. <laughs> a couple of days later, a friend of mine was over. She was in the other room, and I just heard her go, Oh, my God. What the hell is this? And I didn't want to be like, Oh, I'm worried about whether I might have skin cancer. So I just said, Oh, that's my portfolio. <laughs> I'm going to be featured in next month's issue of Pasty Flab. (laughs) Mr. September enjoys sedentary activities and pie. (laughs) He's looking for a woman with issues, so she'll leave him the hell alone. (laughs) Up and look at that, Mr. September has a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Movies. I um, actually listen to the radio a lot. I don't know if you guys do that, but uh, what the hell happened over at NPR? <laughs> Did they send out a memo that said, from now on, we won't hire any on-air talent unless they have accents or speech impediments? <laughs> the only exception being if they have a name that sounds completely made up. Like, this is what it sounds like to me every time I turn on NPR. All right, you're listening to Book Talk. I'm your host, Steve Quadnitz. And before we continue today's discussion, let's find out what's coming up on the news at noon. Uh, This is uh, Warren uh, Holstein uh, coming up uh, today. On the news at noon, we have a report from Iraq. Here's a preview of that report. This is Derek Bradford, live from Baghdad. I'm outside American headquarters in the Green Zone, where it seems that some Iraqis are still perturbed by the American presence here. For example, this man. I don't like that they're still here. I wish that they would leave so I could go back to making handcrafted musical instruments. (laughs) All of this plus what's going on on the hill from Washington. My name is Clatter Monsquillo. (laughs) (laughs) Movies. I, um, I was in two movies. Anybody see them? Show of hands. By the way, how many people prefer raising their hands to applause? By applause. 
And how many people prefer <laughs> applause? Raise your hands. I was, uh, I was driving around Los Angeles the other day, and I saw a billboard. And this billboard immediately became the best billboard I've ever seen. I'll describe it to you guys. The billboard was a photograph of two very attractive young men with their arms around each other. And the caption on the photograph said, We didn't come out just to die of lung cancer. <laughs> and I thought this was such a great way to combine two completely unrelated ideas, you know? So that anybody driving by would be like, hey, whoever paid for that billboard is both pro-gay and anti-tobacco. So I thought it'd be nice if there was more billboards like this. Like, I'd like to see a billboard that said... I didn't join the clan just so you could leave empty bottles lying around. <laughs> and that would obviously be pro-racism and anti-litter. <laughs> Another one I thought would be nice if there was one that said, My mother didn't not have an abortion just so you could touch me inappropriately. <laughs> and that would obviously be pro-life and anti pedophilia <laughs> and the last one I thought would be nice if there was one that said I quit drinking and driving but let's not forget the Hindenburg airship disaster <laughs> and that would clearly be pro anti drinking and driving <laughs> and anti hydrogen based propulsion systems so volatile so dangerous I um, I don't like the fact that if I want to make a wish, I have to wait for something specific. <laughs> like a birthday cake, or a well, or a particular type of bone. <laughs> so I make random wishes. I just walk around and wish for stuff. Like sometimes I wish I could teach all doctors everywhere to never again say the word yikes. <laughs> Because that way I'd never have to go to the doctor again and hear this. Mr. Conroy, would you take your shirt off, please? Yikes. <laughs> and it seems like such a simple thing to fix. All I'd have to do is teach them a more appropriate response. So after that, I'd be like, Mr. Conroy, would you take your shirt off, please? Good job. <laughs> Sometimes I wish women were more like credit card companies because that way they'd look at me and go hey that guy has eight bucks let's fuck him <laughs> thank you Movies. <laughs> All right. That's really. Do you see theme do you, night? You know. Do you see movies, Sean? Occasionally, but not often. Okay. This is gonna go so, great. <laughs> I saw. Um, Have you ever been in an official comic book store before? Y yes, in this one, <laughs> and that's uh, uh -huh. that's the extent of it. Oh, really? Well, yeah. it's, a, it's you know what? Why would you go to any others? Right, meltdown. 
They've all, all right. gone home for the night. I just feel like I got tricked into supporting <laughs> this place. They're very nice to us. I try to give them every plug yeah. uh, possible. But uh, now, okay, now we were talking before before the show started about a, a story that you have. And now I had to remind you of this story. I have a lot of stories that I don't remember. Okay, fair enough. I'll try. Uh, do you remember now that I've reminded you? That, that we were talking before? Yes, that's yes. the one. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories about... Hollywood in general, mm-hmm. the attitude of Hollywood, yeah, uh, and it had to do with the writers' strike. Yes, uh, you were picketing. I was picketing. I was in the WGA at the time. Yeah, and what? As far uh, as I know, I still am. I haven't worked since then. <laughs> but uh, and so what? Uh, so you found your? I don't remember how, but you found yourself alone. Well, I, think. I was I was at Paramount Studios, which was where I had worked on a sitcom for a season. So that was where I went to to picket and. I have a problem, which is that I feel a sense of responsibility to my fellow human beings. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so there was a gate at Paramount that there was only a few people picketing at on a regular basis. Because everybody wanted to go to the gates where there were lots of people and you could network and meet people and all that stuff. Um, but I was like, oh, we got to go to the one that nobody's at. And one morning I was The Lemon there, Grove gate. What The Lemon Grove gate? I know the gates of Paramount very well. I don't remember which one it was. But I <laughs> were, you, were you expecting applause there, Dave? <laughs> I assume everyone knows the in and outs of the Paramount yeah, lot. Absolutely. Um, but I was there one morning, and I, I would go. This is the other thing I did. I, was, I would go at like 6 o'clock in the morning every morning. And I was there, and it was probably like 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning, and I was by myself. There's nothing sadder <laughs> than a picket line of one. <laughs> I believe that's called a picket dot. Um, <laughs> Or pick it point, I guess, if you want to be geometric pick about it. Pick a pixel. Uh, or you can be digital if you want. <laughs> um, but so I'm walking back and forth, sadly, with my, my little, you know, sign and whatever. And this guy in like a $75,000 car on his way into the lot stops right next to me, rolls down his window and goes, uh-oh. <laughs> and then drives away. <laughs> Like, it could not have been more of a fuck you. (laughs) And I couldn't even respond because he was gone before I could even figure out what was going on. Um, So it turns out that producers are scumbags, which I'm sure is shocking to everybody. I just like it. It's as if a rumble was about to happen. Like, he's alone. Let let me get my other producer buddies in to, uh, you know, fight him. Like in a William Shakespeare play or something. Those Romeo rumbles in the, uh, in the yeah. William Shakespeare I was going to go West Side Story, and then I went further back to what West Side Source Story. Source material? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about. Good choice. At least Thank he didn't bite much. his thumb at you. Yes. Well done, David. <laughs> I don't remember any Shakespeare. And he was... He, he, then he exunted then he stage left. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I lost all that. I lost, I lost all the lingo when I went to film school. Then I learned all about uh, C-47s. Yeah, well, you got to watch out for those things. They'll drop bombs on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little too inside. C47, who knows what it is? All right. All right. It's a, it's a, it's a clothespin. Yeah, it is a clothespin, yeah. yes. It always well, I guess you day. guys got me. I thought it was an airplane. <laughs> so. No, they do. It's literally just a clothespin. It's not a special kind of clothespin. No. It's manufactured for the film industry. They use clothespins to keep the gels and the lights, and they call them C47s because they... They, just, you got to have a code. You want to confound people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more syllables than clothespin. Why wouldn't you just call it what it is? It is an airplane. Is it? Yeah, it's 
It is, it is also an airplane? Yeah. All right, there. That's... It's saving Private Ryan, there. <laughs> My best friend is here. <laughs> <laughs> he will back up anything I say. <laughs> Do you know what a B-99 is? It's a car, right? Yeah. yeah. They also sang that song, Love Shack. It's, <laughs> it's what I order from the Chinese restaurant. It's how I won bingo. <laughs> Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I'm out. So now, Sean, uh, have you seen any movies lately? I honestly haven't. <laughs> okay. What do you do with your, what do you do, do with your time? You uh, do you are you do you read? Do you watch television? I What's do the both deal? of those things a lot. Listen okay. to NPR and listen. To, no, I don't. I can't listen to it because it's too fucking irritating. <laughs> My favorite Am I part to is say fuck on this show. Oh, yes. Go ahead. My, my favorite part of NPR is, uh, as much as I love the accents and speech impediments, it is the crazy names. Mm-hmm. That, it's you know. ridiculous. <laughs> like, where do they find these people? Uh, and you get a, gr- a great one with uh, with Warren Olney, who uh, doesn't know how to pronounce his own name, it seems. <laughs> his, his accent or his whatever it is. It, I, I'm thinking his name is Armin something or other. Uh, <laughs> I, the problem is I'm in the car all the time and all I do is change from station to station mm-hmm. because I can't afford the, uh, the, the, the serious or the, any of that stuff. Right. So I'm constantly looking for something to listen to and it's always shitty. Like oh, yeah. there's now, I, there's a, there's a hip hop station where they have a guy who's the, uh, who's the announcer for a lot of their commercials and he has like a really weird sing songy voice. I don't know if you heard this guy who's like, Get the lap band before it becomes illegal, and the insurance company can't pay for it anymore. The lap band. It'll he also kind of sounds life. Italian. What's that? He also kind of sounds Italian. Get to the lap band. <laughs> I uh, don't, I don't... need the pizza. Get to the lap band. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah. What bothers me is I uh, occasionally I will be without my iPod, like I didn't plan well, and so I have to just listen to the radio. And so I I throw on Jack FM, and what fascinate, which is a mistake. But uh, what fascinates me is they're always like, Jack FM, playing what we want. And it's just like, well, it so- you sound like everyone else. It sounds like what you right. want to play is what every other radio station well, is we playing. Well, like, we want to play what you want us to play. <laughs> exactly. Right. We want to play what we don't know what that is. So, yeah, yeah. How about Give Me Shelter by the Rolling Stones? Is anyone else playing that? That's Oh, that's just us. <laughs> well, it's fucking criminal that that one station got shut down, whatever it was. Uh, Indy 103. Yeah, Indy mm-hmm. 103 was great and had yeah. great stuff on it. And, of course, nobody listened to it. You know? Well, no, didn't it uh, get transferred over to the Internet? <laughs> yeah. Like right. I said, nobody listened to it. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Sometimes there's lulls. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a long silence, and that happens. It's well, that you know, it's peaks uh, and valleys. They call that. It's September 11th. It's a moment of silence. That's what it is. Oh, you had to bring that up. <laughs> Everybody's a New Yorker on September 11th. <laughs> I remember the tragedy of that day, and I'm not talking about the World Trade Center. I'm talking about my niece came over that day. She was nine days old, and they they lived downtown in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't blame her, but she took a big shit on my white couch. <laughs> <laughs> and I have resolved that someday. So she's nine years old now. And she knows that story. And uh, she's like, remember when I pooped on your couch? I'm like, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> and I'm going to wait till she's like 25. And I'm going to go to her house and just ring the doorbell. And she'll be like, hey, Uncle Sean. And I'll be like, excuse me. <laughs> and just go in and take a shit on her couch. <laughs> Sean Conroy, Sean ladies. Conroy, everybody. Thank you. 
Okay, here we go. Our last performer of the evening is a legendary character actor. Please note the word funny was not used in there, though he is very funny. (laughs) You've seen him in such films as Memento, The Insider, and Groundhog Day. He has also appeared in such TV shows as Deadwood, Heroes, and Glee. And Mississippi Burning, thank you. That's not a television show. You should have jumped in during movies. It's correct, but it's not very funny. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll talk after the show. He currently hosts his own very popular podcast called The Tobolowski Files. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Tobolowski. Thank you. Thank you so much. I guess. Uh, if you're familiar with the Tobolowski files, I basically just tell real stories from my life. Am I feeding back? Am I okay? It sounds like a little bit. Frank? Yeah. Am I okay? It's Frank Feel My Wrath McGrath is on I, the ones and twos over there. I, I don't want to be irritating. Yeah. So uh, I, was, I was thinking about this story, and when I was thinking about it, I, I had read, in fact, I may have shared it with you guys, this mm-hmm. new scientific idea about contagion that there, there was a new theory about contagion. A group of scientists and psychologists, sociologists got together, and they said that actually contagion is more than just germs or something that, that we spread from one another, that a lot of other things are contagious, like behaviors are contagious. Like if you hang out with people who party, you will tend to party more. If, if you hang out with people who have good habits, you will have better habits. If you hang out with people who have bad ideas, your ideas will get worse. And and also certain emotions are contagious. They discover, too, like blame, shame, and all this. And the only reason I was thinking about this in terms of this particular story today is I was trying to put my finger on what it is we kind of do when we're actors, how acting works. Because I know that I know you're, there's several. How many of you are actors here today? Okay. So tell me, I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but I think the big problem is, is very simple, is that as actors, we are real and we are engaging in something that is a fiction. And so what we try to do is we try to take what we have that's real and put it into that fiction to make it more real, which is difficult to do. But then, of course, the problem is contagion. And sometimes that fiction can come back on you. And, and fiction's like radioactive. I mean, you walk down that way and you got, you got Hollywood. You know, you become Steven Seagal. You, you know, something like that. Now, this story... You, you mentioned Mississippi Burning. Uh, 1988. I, I, I got the role of Clayton Townley, who was head of the Ku Klux Klan in Mississippi Burning. And in that particular movie, the equation was a little different because I was real. The movie was fictional, but it was one of those movies that's based on true fact. And then I was playing Clayton Townley, who was a real guy. He was really the imperial wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. So here I am real doing a fiction which is supposedly real, playing another guy who's supposedly real. And so if you kind of tape that together and move us down a hotel hallway, you have something like Inception. I mean, everybody knows when you're an actor and you get a job in a play, you have this period afterwards that's called the rehearsal period. 
I never knew that when you get a part in a movie, you don't really have the rehearsal period. Instead, the rehearsal period is substituted for like bragging to everybody you know for about two days and then a complete psychic spiritual implosion. (laughs) And you have absolutely no idea what you're going to do and you're filled with terror. So what, what I was trying to do since I had no idea how I was going to play this man, Clayton Townley, a man who the center of his life was the conspiracy theory. This man not only believed in white supremacy, uh, he is a man who at his behest had people burned alive, uh, lynched, murdered, which is the same as lynching, I guess. I repeat myself. <laughs> but this guy could actually do that and then look in the mirror and tie Windsor knot without his hand shaking. I had no idea how to even approach playing a guy like that. So I thought, like most actors think, you know, I, I do think actors have a foundation of, like, mud, and they build things with building blocks of insecurity. So I thought, <laughs> I will come up with a better idea later. So what I'll do to... Uh, encourage myself is take a trip to Dallas on the way to Jackson to shoot this movie to, to have to be with my parents for a couple days so they can like buck me up I mean when do we learn <laughs> <laughs> the parents have the ability with in a minute amount of time to make Failure rise out of your slightest aspirations. I got off the plane and my dad said, so son, how long are you working on this movie? I said, well, right now a couple weeks. Daddy said, well, that ain't going to pay the bills. And my mother said, so, so Stephen, what are, what are you playing? I said, well, the head of the Ku Klux Klan. She said, oh no, that's terrible. Do they know you're Jewish? I said, Mom, they don't, they don't care about that. It's just a movie, Mom. They don't care. He said, well, Stephen, you know they're going to know you're Jewish as soon as they see your name. Stephen Tobolowsky, you know you can change your name, son, if you want to. I go, Dad, I don't want to change my name. It's too confusing for the credit card people. I don't want to do that. Mom said, well, you know, Stephen, you could go back to school and get your teaching degree or, or maybe become a waiter. <laughs> I said, Mom, Mom, teachers don't make any money either, and they have to grade papers, and I don't think I have the organizational skills to be a waiter. I, I can't. And then Dad finished it off with saying, "Like, well, do you think maybe you could get back together with Beth? She's doing really well now with an Academy Award nomination and a Tony nomination in the same year. I think she'll take you back. <laughs> and this was before I even got my luggage. <laughs> so we go back home. We go back home. I go down the hallway and there is my little room with my little bed that I've had since I was 11 with the same pillow I had since I was 11 and the same blanket I had since I was 11 and I undid all my clothes and put them in the drawers and I had the same thoughts a lot of people have when they go home I got to get the hell out of this place (laughs) and then I had a brilliant idea I thought I could kill two birds with one stone And that is I could leave the physical premise of the house and at the same time do some scholarly research on a guy like Clayton Townley in Mississippi Burning, what makes him tick. And I remembered back in the early 70s when I was in college, back in the era when books were still cool, that that they had this bookstore around the SMU campus called 
the American Opinion Bookstore. And I remember I wandered in there one day and pulled a book off the shelf, and it was all about how blacks were like mud people, and uh, you know, put it back on the shelf. It terrified me. Now, I'm not saying the American Opinion Bookstore was a Klan bookstore, because I don't think there is such a thing. But I, <laughs> I do think that if you were a member of the Klan walking down the street with your Diet Pepsi and you wanted to duck into a place to read, you would find nothing offensive in this store. So I went and looked at my old environs and couldn't find it, and I went back home, and there was the Yellow Pages, and I pulled it out, and there was the American Opinion Bookstore. It had moved out to Garland, Texas, so I thought, I'll give it a try. I'll take a look and see what this place is about. So I have my little address, and I'm driving in my car. It's about 20 or, or 30 minutes down the highway. I'm going down the highway, and I see the addresses, and where the American Opinion bookstore should have been was an auto repair shop. And not really an auto repair shop, but a transmission shop. And with five bays open, I thought, well, maybe the bookstore moved. I'll ask the guys. Mm -hmm. So I walk up there to one of the mechanics and said, oh, excuse me, I was here looking for the American Opinion bookstore. I, I saw it when I was a kid, and the guy went, And I looked, and there at the back of the auto repair shop was an open doorway with a hand-painted sign above an opening saying, American Opinion Bookstore. <laughs> so I said, okay, okay, I'll go in. So you had to walk in past all the mechanics and through all the tools and past the cars into this big room with nobody in it. It was wall-to-wall -wall books and industrial gray carpet, all painted white. And I picked one of the books off the shelf, and it was about how black people were like monkeys compared to monkeys. Put it back, pulled another book off. It was about how Jews were trying to take over the world. So I thought, well, I'll take the black book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there was no one in the store and, and so I went back out to the mechanics. I said, excuse me, um, I wanted to buy a book. Is there, there's no one? He said, there are instructions. You want anything from the store, you follow the instructions. So I, I said, okay. So I'm looking in the room for instructions, and there was a table just about like this up against the wall. There was nobody there, and there was one piece of paper taped to it, and it had two sentences on it. And I looked at the first sentence. It says, you have been videotaped. And I looked up, and sure enough, um, and like a white beam, painted white, was a video camera. I looked in each corner of the room, there were video cameras. The second thing and it, written on the piece of paper said, if you want anything from the bookstore, you need to write your name, your address, your phone number, how you found us, who, who told you about us, what your purpose is in coming here. And suddenly I was getting very scared. And then I thought, well, I don't want to put my address from California, and I certainly don't want to put the address in Dallas that will implicate my folks, and then I can't put my name because my dad is right. When they see Stephen Tobolowsky, they'll know it's Jewish. And then the first moment of contagion happened. I wrote down Clayton Townley, Mississippi, and I put down $5, and I brought the book. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, this is the book from the American Opinion Bookstore. So 
I was afraid to read this book in Dallas because I was afraid mom would see it. I was afraid to pull this book out on the airplane because I was afraid someone would see it. And I learned the first rule of conspiracy is that conspiracy theory uses the tools of shame. Now, I got to Mississippi, and Alan Parker was there holding court in the bar, and he said, well, Stephen, there have been a line of thunderstorms coming in, and so we're not going to be able to shoot your scene now. We may have to put it off for like six, eight weeks. I'm going like, oh, my God. Now, this was a big Klan rally scene. So I thought, what am I going to do with all my spare time? And I went back to my room, and I saw the yellow pages. And I pulled the yellow pages out and opened it up, an American Opinion bookstore in Jackson, Mississippi. So the next morning I get in my car and I start driving and I end up outside of Jackson in a bunch of farm country. Uh, there was a tractor store. There was a seed store. There was a thing called a Totesome, which is their version of 7-Eleven where they sell ice and things like that. And it was, <laughs> and it was kind of near the address. And I stopped and as I was going to pull out and ask the people to Totesome, but as I pulled it out and got out of my car, I looked, and behind the totesome was a transmission shop. So I walked around the totesome, went over to the transmission shop and said, excuse me, I was looking for the American Opinion bookstore, and the man gestured. At the back of the transmission shop was another open doorway said American Opinion Bookstore. I went inside, and there was an old woman there who just stared at me. And I said, I, I was here. Uh, I was interested in getting, maybe seeing what you had. And she didn't say a word. She just stared at me. And, and I said, well, I'll just get this book. And I brought that book, too. From the second American Opinion Bookstore, Negroes in Soviet America. So anyway... We are in Jackson, Mississippi for a few weeks, and then we move our offices and our shooting to Lynette, Alabama. And I go with my friend Ken, and I said, I want to check something out. I pull out the yellow pages. American Opinion Bookstore in Alabama. Ken and I get in the car. We drive through the piney woods on the border of Georgia and Alabama, and sure enough, transmission shop the American Opinion Bookstore here was not inside the transmission shop, but on the side door of it. I get back, and Ken and I are talking with all the actors. Uh, Brad Dorf was there, uh, several of the actors, and I'm saying, why transmission shops? <laughs> what is going on here? What does this mean? And, and what is it with the video cameras? What, what is happening here? And, and anyway, one of the people had a theory, well, obviously... The transmission store and the bookstore are owned by the same people, right? That's, that's obvious. And then someone else said, no, no, I, I don't think so. I think the video cameras are there not just to protect the bookstore. The bookstore is obviously a cover for something. They're doing something that they want the video, pr video camera to be proof of. Nothing. I had a more sinister thing. I thought, wait a minute, transmissions come in big wooden cases, what if they're shipping something interstate in transmission cases? And then it dawned on me that I had become fully possessed by the conspiracy theory, just by the power of contagion. I thought I had learned what Clayton Townley was about in his heart, and then I hear this voice saying, 
Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, do you mind if I sit at your table? I, th- I think you're the man I need to talk to. And I said, I'm sorry, sure, sure, fella, you can sit down. This guy was about 27 years old, had a huge shock of red hair, kind of a middling case of acne, was wearing a a corduroy jacket with a flower on shirt. Hi, my name's Jefferson. Hi, I I know it's a bit prehistoric, but you go with what you're born with. I hear you're the man I'm supposed to talk to. Uh, You're playing the head of the Ku Klux Klan. And I said, yes, Jefferson, uh, that's true. He said, well, I wanted to meet you face-to-face, and I wanted you to meet me face-to-face, so maybe we get an understanding, because actually I am the head of the Klan around here. And I thought maybe if we understood each other, you would not portray me as a monster in the movie. And, and, And I said, Jefferson, I had no intention of playing Clayton Townley as a monster, not at all. He says, you know what, Stephen? Even though I live way out here in Alabama, I know what Hollywood is. And I know very well the way our organization is going to be portrayed. You know, we don't hate black people. We are a white advocacy group. There are advocacy groups all over this country. There's the NAACP, there's Congress of Racial Equality for Black People. We are an advocacy group for whites. We have seen our schools destroyed by segregation. We've seen our public utilities destroyed by quota systems. We've seen drugs and crime move back in our neighborhoods, and we stand up for our Christian values. We are called bigots. We're not bigots, Stephen. We just want a piece of the pie like everybody else. I said, thank you. He said, well, I'll leave you to your friends, but listen, when you shoot that scene, you have a good time. Oh, that isn't the proper phrase, is it? Break a leg. I said, thank you, Jefferson. I went to my room that night. I found out we were going to shoot my scene at the end of the week. And I realized that in the school of life, a lot of times we pick our classes, but we never get to pick our teachers. How's it going, Stephen? Uh, <laughs> so, have you seen any movies lately? Uh, <laughs> I've been watching those movies on uh, Sci-Fi Channel. You know, Dynacroc and Super Gator. <laughs> you know, I think if it wasn't for fast motion film, you know, all of those films rely upon something eating someone fast. Mm-hmm. So, which one? Oh, yeah, Sharktopus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is good. And today they had Mysterious Island where a big iguana, like, kills people. What they do is they do it in the same way. They have the camera go, you know, and I see the actor. You know, the actor is, like, standing like this, and they bring the camera in and go, no! <laughs> and then they have this, like, super animation kind of thing of the tongue of the uh, enchilada or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> Like, goes out and sticks the guy and pulls it in his mouth really fast. So I've seen Dynacroc eat people fast. I've seen Super Gator eat people pretty fast. I saw everything. They have to eat them fast. That's the thing because they don't have that big of a budget for the special effects. And <laughs> slow eating takes a lot of frames. <laughs> you know, it's really you have, to, you have to pace out that slow eating. Yeah, um, that's what I've been watching lately. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, down in uh, Comic-Con, I was going to go see, I believe... 
Jen, was that Mega Piranha? The, okay. Uh, they were having a screening of Mega Piranha. Got to see that. Oh, <laughs> yes, you absolutely do. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I thought, like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, when I watch, you know, bad movies with my friends, and, oh, we'll have so much fun. And uh, there's probably 150 people at the screening. And uh, it was at, like, uh, I think 11 or midnight. And so, so I sit down, I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, and uh, Deb, uh, Deborah Harry is in the film, and she was oh, presenting right. the film. And, uh, and it's like, oh, this is very exciting. Um, and then the movie starts, and I was like, this is terrible. I mean, <laughs> why isn't anybody laughing? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, shoot. Like they really, they they really like the movie. Uh, I think we should leave. <laughs> so we left about ten minutes in. Oh, so God, we yeah. haven't seen you since Comic Con. We we yeah, talked right. to you. Yeah, that's we right. To you that's there. right. And that was your first San Diego Comic Con. That right? was. It was like. How was it? It was like so big. You know, you don't really have a. Now I heard. You know, real co- are there Comic Con fans here? You know. <laughs> I heard from the real hardcore fans that it's like nothing like it used to be. It was much mm. better in the past. That now it's gotten so big that that it, it's it's kind of spread out, as opposed to it was really more intense. And now it's diluted some. But I was I was blown away by it. It was it was amazing. It's what's interesting because we went and we went to uh, your uh, table where you're signing autographs, and it's like, hey, there's Steven. This is fun. Um, Steven's wife gave me a cookie. It was delicious. It was cookie. yes, very good. Um, but it was kind of you know it was cool for me. It's like hey, I know one of the guys signing autographs. I'm pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> but I was immediately deflated when I turned into a I turned into a little kid because a couple tables down was Dirk Benedict of uh, the A Team and Battlestar Galactica, the the first series. And I remember being like, it's face, it's face man. <laughs> and then next to, and then a little later in the day, next to him. Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man from WWF, and uh, and immediately I went from being like, yeah, that's right, host of Battleship Pretension. I know Stephen Tobolowski, who wants my autograph. Um, I went from, <laughs> like I went from that to just being like, it's the Million Dollar Man. I should go get his. Autograph. Jen was just like, why do you want his autograph? I'm like, I think on principle, I'm not going to do anything with it. But yeah, it's comic for those. I did not enjoy Comic-Con when I first went because of the horrible traffic, and I'm, I tend to get stressed out. But uh, if there's anybody here that has ever not gone to Comic-Con just in case they think they might be overwhelmed, uh, save up some money. You'll need it. And uh, <laughs> and go to Comic-Con. It's a lot of fun. You'll take see the Stephen. train. I've heard take the train. Because yeah. the train goes right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't take the train, but next time I'm going to take the train. That's what yeah, I've heard. I, if, you, if you stay in a hotel near Qualcomm Stadium where the Chargers play... You can park for free in the Qualcomm yeah. parking lot, take the trolley right to the front door of the, of the convention center. Yeah, those, those autograph shows are really brutal. I, yeah, I've been to a few this year, uh, and it's like being an animal at the zoo, but you're not like one of the good animals. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not like a lion or a tiger, even a snake. You're, you're kind of like an antelope. Mm. Like, and, and, you know, everyone walks by your table, and they're... Uh, you know, they look and they go, yeah, don't want you. And, <laughs> yeah, and I don't want you. And, and it's really incredibly deflating. Uh, the, the last Hollywood show I went to, uh, I went there and the guy who ran the show said, we want you to go down the uh, red carpet. So I went, I was already in the building ready to sign autographs. And so I went back outside and down the red carpet and the security. 
It's truth. I would not lie to you. Security guard stopped me and said, uh, sir, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm going inside. He said, are you the guy who's here to set up the folding chairs? <laughs> you, want, you want to talk about just it's so good for, for bringing you down. You know, it, it really brings you way down, way, way down. I have to assume you said like, ah. I'm the guy from Groundhog Day. No, not him, the other one. And then just, and he's like, oh, I got it. Go on in. It's just, it's un- like, for, it's, it's frustrating. Cause for me, like, when, when Steven Tobolowsky was going to be on the show, I was so excited. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the guy from Mississippi Burning was the first place my mind went. And, uh, and then I, I would tell my friends, and of course, my actor friends were immediately like, oh, that's really exciting. But like, you know, not to insult you, I told my mom, and she was just like, <laughs> Oh, is that the? It's like it's he's from Groundhog Day because I knew Memento probably wasn't going to be uh, in her wheelhouse. But, but your uh, mom has all the Deadwood DVDs. Absolutely. <laughs> oh man, she doesn't get enough. She loves that Al Swearingen. Yeah, when, when, <laughs> yeah, when I got the BJ in the flat bathtub, exactly. that's one of her favorite. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, she's waiting for all of Californication to oh. come out on DVD, <laughs> and then she'll rent it. It, so. It's like, yeah, th- this year I did a bunch of, and that's, I actually had a uh, simulated uh, sex scene. You sure did. In, in that, and uh, people, yeah. Someone yeah. start to applaud. <laughs> I, think th- I think that's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you, you know, it's so funny how reverential the crew gets when you're going to do a simulated sex scene. It's like you're doing something, like, really important because you're really not doing anything at all and neither is she you know you're both just like <laughs> pretending you're doing something and the crew gets like very touching feeling very quiet about everything and you know as actors you know you try not to laugh mm-hmm. is is the basic thing you try to do but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it i do appear in a red speedo in, <laughs> in it. so why wouldn't you be afraid be very afraid now, we do have a lot of actors in the audience, and I know we've we got to wrap, wrap it up pretty quick, but you've told a story on, on, on your podcast, and you told it when you were on ours. Uh, it's a nice little tip. When you are uh, uh, acting as though you're getting a blowjob, what is your uh, – you, you have a, right. an interesting approach. Right. How do right. you do that? Well, well, you know, it's, again, one of those things where mentally I kind of went, you know, how am I going to do this? And the first thing that came to my mind was pretend you're Richard Gere. Because he's done these kind of scenes a lot. So just like, you know, do, do like this. And then I thought, no, no, no. You know, you know, this, this is what really works. I'll show you. This is what really works. I'll share you. I'll share it with you. This is a real secret. And you can jump to the other mic if you need yeah, to. No, no. This just okay. use, it, use it carefully. Imagine you've asked a friend to clip your toenails. So the first thing they're doing is they're taking off your shoe and then they're pulling off your sock and you feel the cold air hit your foot and then they get the clippers. Oh, 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 yeah, oh. And they put it on your big toe and then they're starting to clip your big toe. Oh, 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 okay, 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 okay. So focus on getting your toes clipped. And I think you'll be there. Absolutely. <laughs> Stephen Tobolowsky, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. All right. Well, David, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That is the show. 
Um, thanks, everybody, for coming. Now, of course, uh, all the performers here tonight were a guest uh, have been a guest uh, on the podcast. Battleshippretension.com is where you can go for that. Um, I'll give it, uh, give Jason one more plug. You can uh, buy his new short film, Reservations, uh, on the website at the store. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes. And, uh, yeah. And thanks. I swear to Christ, if you guys have not been tipping your bartenders, you have me to answer to. Boy, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for coming. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>